0: You all probably know very well the story about the Last Supper that Jesus had with us his disciples in the upper room in Jerusalem. But today I want to tell you about the other supper. The one that happened in Bethany five days before with our dear, dear friends, Martha, and Mary, and Lazarus. You see, for Jesus' whole ministry, our times in Jerusalem were always filled with danger and controversy and threats. And so the home of our friends out in Bethany, two miles away, that place was always for us a safe haven, a refuge of friendship and prayer and conversation and Martha's wonderful cooking. Pretty much from the start, Jerusalem's religious leaders had it in for Jesus. They couldn't stand his Sabbath healings. They were offended by the intimate way that he talked about God, his Abba, to the point that they picked up stones two different times, getting ready to kill him. And somehow some way Jesus slipped away both times. But let me tell you it was our Lord's raising of Lazarus from the dead, four days dead, that brought everything to a hot boil. Folks started turning to Jesus in droves and the religious leaders became terrified, horrified that Rome would soon respond to all the upheaval in Jerusalem with devastating violence. And so they decided to have Jesus killed once and for all. And they even put out a death warrant for Lazarus as well. It's at that point that Jesus said it was time to head out of town. Let's go out to the wilderness and let things cool down a little bit. But then when the Passover drew near, Jesus said it was time to go back to Jerusalem again. And as we set out, we disciples, especially Thomas, felt this huge sense of dread and foreboding. This wasn't going to end well. It was on our way (laughs) It was on our, on our way to Bethany and Jerusalem that Martha and Mary and Lazarus sent word for us to come to their home for a special dinner. Now they knew the risks. They saw the dangers clearly. But while Jesus was still with us, they weren't going to hold anything back. And here's the wonderful, funny thing. (laughs) Though we all knew that we were heading into that storm in Jerusalem, all we did the whole way to Bethany was talk and speculate about what Martha was going to be cooking us for dinner. And let me tell you, we weren't disappointed. Martha had been working all day long to fill their home with the fragrance of her cooking and the fragrance of her love. And after we arrived, she spread out before us her mouth-watering feast, roast lamb, Sprinkled with peppercorns, garlic, and pine nuts. Mm-hmm. Eggplant slices fried in olive oil and topped with goat cheese and basil. Oh, wow. Grape leaves stuffed with rice and fresh dill and yogurt. Mm. Delicious. Amen. And after that feast, (laughs) truth be told, we were all too busy smacking our lips and patting our satisfied bellies to notice Mary quietly slipping out of the room. But things sure got quiet when she came back in and knelt down at Jesus' feet, holding an alabaster flask in her two cupped hands. And after she carefully broke the seal, the fragrance of faraway blossoming flowers suddenly filled the room. It was the exquisite fragrance of nard, A pink flower that only grows up in the Himalayas, half a world away. A flask could easily set you back a whole year's wages. And Mary then anointed our dear Lord's feet with an extravagant flow of her amber-colored oil and then slowly massaged the ointment into his parched soles, the soles of his feet, weary feet that for three long years had been walking up and down Galilee and Judea and Samaria. And you should have seen Jesus. He was so moved that he just tilted back his head, closed his eyes, and soaked in Mary's lavish care. Just soaked it in. Well, our, our silence, it only deepened when then, when Mary then took off her headscarf in front of all of us men, and gathered her long hair to one side, and slowly and gently wiped Jesus' feet. It was then that Judas had a cow, and truth be told, I did too. We were soon babbling about all the, the poor folks who could have been fed with Mary's wasted money. On and on we went. Yada, yada, yada. But you know now, all these years later, I think... I'm finally seeing what Mary was seeing all along. I mean if Jesus had broken all decorum and social propriety by scandalously teaching you, a woman, how to commune with God in prayer and how to feel in your bones your infinite worth before God then what's a year year's wages if Jesus had raised your dead brother saving you and your sister from sure poverty and destitution then what are 300 silver coins and if you were sensing That Jesus was about to die a brutal death at the hands of the brutal powers, then why not lavishly anoint his body for burial while you still could? I mean, after all, hadn't Martha been the one way before Peter who had earlier said and seen that Jesus really was the Messiah, the anointed one. So in the end, for these two dear sisters, there was no counting the cost. No mindset of scarcity or efficiency or practicality. They just saw the moment, really what it was, in that moment. And they gave their all to Jesus holding nothing back. Nothing. And unlike the rest of us disciples, they never found themselves later sighing and filled with regret and shame. No, They loved Jesus with the same love with which he had loved them. And here I am all these years later still telling you about it. So, dear friends, in the days ahead, When you have the chance and you will to express your love for God, for the poor, for a loved one, or maybe even some old enemy, don't hold back. Don't hold back. Fill the world, fill the whole world with the fragrance of our Lord's love.